wellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to A Quirky Journey, the healthy family podcast with your hosts, Joe Witten and Fuad Kassab. Hey everyone, welcome to A Quirky Journey. I am here with two of my good friends, Leah. Hello. And Chantal. Hi. We're just doing an intro from the Together Retreat that Hope for Health have been holding up in um, Darwin, well, near Darwin, about 45 minutes out of Darwin. So we've been here cooking all week and we're at the end of the week. The participants have just gone home and we're um, tidying up and packing up and we've got sore feet, but we had a lot of fun. (laughs) So, um, yes, I thought I'll get the girls on the intro with me and we'll have a chat about what we've been doing this week. So, yeah, what did you guys love best about our week well obviously food is a big (laughs) (laughs) we all love food it was yeah really nice to introduce some people to some of the um types of recipes that sort of we make from the book that they haven't had before and just to see how excited they were about the flavors and how good they were feeling there was um, i remember one of the guys one of the participants was saying um that he, yeah it's not I don't think it was the quite the kind of food he usually has at home but he was saying that he felt so much energy oh Kane was yeah. saying yeah he yep. was feeling so much energy and I think he was only here for the last four days yep. and um yeah he was saying he didn't feel like he needed lunch yeah mm. it's just when you get that really nourishing food in you don't eat as much and you've got more energy so why wouldn't you do it? <laughs> and I loved actually um, having your recipes um, cooked from your book rather than when I cook them. <laughs> I don't have any of the ingredients and I just make it up as I go. And I'm like, yeah, I just cooked um, Joe's uh, crumble and it probably didn't have apples in it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, you're one of those people. <laughs> you get these questions like, Joe, I made your recipe and it was really bad. It didn't work at all. Oh, did you use? Uh, and I always know when people yeah, yeah. say that. I'm like, did you actually use blanched almond meal? Did you use this many eggs? Did you? How did? What did you change? Oh yeah, I didn't have blanched almond meal, so I changed that to this meal. And I didn't have this, and I didn't have enough eggs. And yeah, so. But that mm-hmm. Chantel, you said your recipes usually work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're just different. They're your recipes then. Exactly. Actually, that's how I cook generally. I don't follow my own recipes much. But I think we had a few days where we had to make do with whatever we had, yep. especially towards the end. And it was like, okay, swap that for that. And it all worked. It's well. all fine. Yeah. they Everyone went home happy and full. So that's good. Um, but yeah, I think the, the most exciting thing was seeing people get a few light bulb moments with health as well and they had some really good workshops with um, the practitioners and with um, Helen Patteron and they learned all sorts of all sorts of things everything from healing food to um, just lifestyle changes and how to ferment their own veggies and how to oh what they do personality yeah um looking into their personalities Osteopathic treatment. Osteopathic treatment. Yeah, all the um, the cultural stuff. And then all the cultural stuff was just amazing. 
We didn't get to join in a lot of it because well, we, we got were so adopted, busy. But we yes, all got adopted. Yes. So we now yes. have Yunga family. And Jones, my name yeah. is now y- Yukua. <laughs> Yukua. Um, Mine is Ngalindi. Oh, yours, <laughs> yours is hard to <laughs> say. Yui Murray? Yuluwuru. Yuluwuru, isn't it? Mm, oh, it's really something more difficult. I'm a tree because it flowers. And mine's um, moonlight or a new moon. And mine is a yam. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you cook yams. They love yams. I know. I, when I said, what does my name mean? They said yam. I'm like, okay. How come so. she's moonlight and she's flowering tree and I'm yam? No, I didn't say that. <laughs> so my totem was a cloud. Yeah. Mine was bottle and crocodile. And mine's long neck turtle. <laughs> This is not prawn, like one of the boys. Fresh water prawn. Oh, it was good fun though. But then one of the ladies, when she described the yam, she made it sound very beautiful. She's like, underground it's growing and then the leaves, they they rise up above and they flow out. And she's doing all these beautiful hand signals. And I was like, okay, that sounds nice They're, they're little, they're thin. Like I, They're a little tiny. Yeah, yeah, for I, some reason I thought yams would be a lot bigger. Yeah, the and New Zealand yams yeah, are tiny. Yeah, okay. There's so many different types of yams, it's confusing. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, we got – what's some of the interesting things we've eaten this week? Brew tail stew. Brew tail stew. We had – for breakfast we had kangaroo and beef patties. Patties, yeah. yeah. Patties. Right. The ladies had some possum. Yeah, the ladies eating, had some possum. We didn't eat chicken, that one. Had the butter chicken. I think everyone was favourite. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't weird. That definitely was just delicious. Um, Chantelle ate a turtle egg that they oh gave her. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. That wasn't such a great experience. I, it was amazing, actually, just how they found the turtle eggs. And it was a bit emotional for me because I'm a bit of a conservationist. But, um... You know, that's their traditional food and I respected that. And when I was offered a turtle egg, I decided I would have some. And I, um, you kind of, it's very, you kind of open the shell a little bit and you suck out the juices. And then as you start to break it, you're <laughs> eating it. And as I'm halfway through, I've looked down and it was, there was an actual turtle. It was a, a turtle. turtle. It was a baby turtle. I've seen this little head and everything. Yeah. So I did feel quite ill. I don't know if it was because of the actual egg or psychologically. She didn't mm, eat the rest of it. Well, can you imagine? Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, it was an amazing experience, I guess, yeah. in itself. And they had fish that they caught. Oh, yeah. Um, what kind of fish oh, the first that they had caught. Yeah, I can't remember what you, kind it was. They told you what it was. Oh, they cooked um, them over the fire. Perch. Perch. Something else. Oh, no. Maybe. We had barra. We had a huge barra, barra, didn't we? Each fillet was two kilos, wild caught barra. That was amazing. And and that's like everyone's favourite meal with the herb crusted recipe from our I've never had it with whitefish because I've made it with the salmon. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, I wonder how it will go. And then I was just, this is amazing. Amazing. And also with almonds. Yeah, with the almonds instead of the other nuts. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a cheaper version, but it's yep. just amazing. Yeah, def- I'm when you've got to cook for 40 people, it's like, mm, I think I'll do it with almonds. Yeah. Um, and oh, when I first, yeah, when I first arrived, um, I went straight from the airport to where they were hunting and um, at the beach and the mangroves. And so um, they had little fires going and they had these 
mollusks called long bums. <laughs> I'm like, what is it called? The long bum. And I said, well, what's it called in your language? And they're like, blah, blah, blah. They said, I said, what does it mean? They said long bum. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but it was like this black shell and they put it over the fire to roast and then they put it on a rock and crushed it and to open it up. And inside is this green bright green worm thing looks like a worm swirling through the you know how shells spiral and then they'd pick that out with their nails and just eat that little bit and the others said oh it's really good it tastes like calamari I'm like okay give me some (laughs) so I asked for a little bit I had a piece like oh maybe five mils long um so the little wormy thing inside was they gave me a little piece of it. I probably had like a centimetre long piece, if that. And um, it tasted like calamari kind of, but it was a bit squishy. And, that, and I thought, oh, yeah, that's nice. And then it had a bitter aftertaste. And I was like, yuck. But then someone told me, no, it's not meant to have a bitter aftertaste. That's the end of it. And you don't usually eat that bit oh. or something. And they said, no, it's not meant to be squishy. So I don't know what happened there. But anyway, um, they also found mangrove worms, but I didn't eat any of them. They honestly look like snot but apparently they taste like oysters but you've got to kind of squeeze the mud out of them as you slurp them up into your mouth like spaghetti (laughs) and I just I didn't ask for one of those (laughs) I thought maybe next time Um, but Helen's eaten them yeah yeah they, they say they're very delicious, but yeah, well, so I just have just to, getting your head around. I think it. so. Yeah. And um, they had the turtle eggs, and they had oh, they were looking for mud crabs, but they didn't. Oh, I'm not sure if they got any. And they also made spears. The guys made spears, and they went um, spear fishing for stingrays, but it wasn't the right. Uh, I think it was too windy. They said, and so it, there wasn't any stingrays around. So we went, they had hunting a couple of days where they went looking, but they didn't get any. Oh, there was some stingray in the fridge. And, oh, was um, there? Yeah, what happened the local was, brought it. Oh, I didn't oh, get it. Oh, it was a terrible Did story. You no, no, what happened? One of the ladies, one of the boys brought it in and had it in the fridge and he didn't label it. Oh, no. And um, one of the ladies thought, oh, what's this, like some chicken or something? Um, there's no label, better to be safe than sorry. So she chucked it and he came in, oh, no. oh where's my, and then she felt so bad. Oh, no. Stingrays are really, um, they like shreds. Shreds, yeah. Yeah. She said it looked like shredded chicken. It's really good. Okay. Well, this is the time of year they usually eat it. So when there's certain trees flowering, the turkey bush, when that's flowering, they know the stingray's fat. And so they always um, time it for when the food... The, the meat is the fattiest. That's oh. that's what they want. And this is what's really interesting is traditional cultures eat animal fat because they know it's so good for your brain and for your health. It's good for your hormones. It's it, They just know it's good for you. And that's always been something. And it's only our culture recently in the last 70 years or whatever that has said, oh, no, fat's bad for you. Mm. And now look where we are. Yeah. Um, and I find that really interesting. Even when the people lined up for lunch or dinner, if we put out our grain-free muffins, um, there was a couple of different types. So there was the veggie grain-free muffins that are just sort of like a normal muffin. And then there was the fat bomb muffins that have heaps of ghee and coconut oil. They always went for the fat bomb mm. muffins. They go for the fattier. Yeah. 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 And yep. that's, you know, traditionally they know that that's good for you. Um, well, Brock, with- what Brock was saying on the island, um, they have a lot of, 
um, issues with low iron. It was low yes. iron yes. because traditionally they would have the shellfish, which was so high in iron, yeah. and because they um, can't, you know, um, a lot of commercial fishing happens on the island now, yeah. so they it's hard for them to source that food. To, to, yeah, yeah, we've taken away, that, you know, we've taken that away food. for them. So yeah. that, for me, that was really yeah. upsetting. And the way that they hunt and gather things, sorry, I'm not saying that they're just hunter and gathers because they actually did farm as yeah. well, um, traditionally, like they farmed yams and grasses and different things. Mm. But um, when they gathered things like turkey, oh, sorry, not turkey, <laughs> turtle <laughs> eggs, um, they only took half. <laughs> of the nest yep. and they only took a certain amount of the yams when they found yams. Sustainable. Yeah, that's right. And white people come along and just go, oh, great, there's food, let's just have it all. <laughs> so, yeah. If we can't eat it now, we'll save some for later. Yeah, that's we'll right. It yeah. So it's interesting to learn the ways that they do things. We've learned a lot from them, haven't we? Yeah, we have. Yeah. And it's, uh, I think one of the things that really stuck with me was how interconnected every single thing and person is. Yeah. Everything has a real place of importance and mm. I think that would have really rung true with their food but particularly with people, you have to be, they have to make sense of who you are. So mm. when you get adopted into the clan, if you meet someone, um, they immediately know what reference you are to them, where mm. where you belong in the society. Like it's it's different to yeah. ours completely. Like you don't really call each other by your first name. You call each other by your position yeah. to you, your kinship name. Yep. So um, my adopted mother is Muku and mm. my name's Gatu. Yep. And so you have... I was adopted by a Maori, a grandmother, so I'm Gutara. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And so you have these, and so that's what you then call each other. And then, you know, wherever you go in Australia, if you meet an Aboriginal person, they can figure out yeah, where you are. In, that's yeah, just amazing. When they were trying to explain that family. to us, yeah. <laughs> like she said, if you go to Adelaide and you speak to someone, because we were a bit confused saying, oh, what if someone else tries to adopt you? And then... Like, how does that work? And she said, well, you just explain who you are within your clan. So, mm. and then there's different, so it's so interesting. Like there's the moiety, I don't know if that's mm. how you say it, but so there's two halves. Everything has two halves. Um, and so all of us were either Yiridach or the Dua, I think it was. Mm. Um, and they just select, well, for us, they just selected, I suppose you'd be born into, I think it, Either works one. with your parent, <clears throat> yeah, with what yeah, clan you're whatever in, whatever you're in. Yeah. But yeah, it's just it's so intricate, and and it's a lot to get our heads around. But yeah. they, once they knew where we belonged, yep. it was almost like they felt more comfortable with us. It's like right yeah, now, I know yeah, who you definitely. are. Yeah. I can well because traditionally, yeah. apparent, apparently, as well, like there's some situations where it's actually not appropriate for them to right. ask you your name. Yes. You would introduce, yeah, your position type thing. Or, yeah. I don't know. It's very interesting. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, the way that they are so interconnected and look after each other, we definitely need to get something from that in our mm. society. Yeah. We're so, um, you know, we're so disconnected really like most people don't know their neighbors hardly see their parents or you know not everybody but a lot of people are very um isolated from community and friends and yeah. family compared mm -hmm. to these 
traditional cultures and it's beautiful to see how they all look after each other. Mm. Mm. Um, so what we're going to talk about in this podcast is um, so very similar to this. So um, you've probably heard about the Western A. Price Foundation, but just in case you haven't, I'll give you a little bit of a... Um, let me see. I'll give you a little bit of a background on it. Is this still going? Yes, it is still going. Sorry, I just had to check that. <laughs> We're sitting outside and I'm using my phone and I'm like, is this working? Um, okay, so the we- if, if you haven't heard of the Western A. Price Foundation, um, this was begun by a dentist. Well, actually, Western A. Price was a dentist in the 1930s who travelled the world to study Indigenous cultures and to see why they had such beautiful teeth and jaws when they were eating their traditional foods and how it changed when they moved over to um, Western foods, so refined foods. And um, the differences were really amazing and even in one generation, sometimes in one family, when they changed over to Western foods and had all the refined sugar and flours there, um, not only their health would um, degenerate but also their teeth and jawlines. And so he, as a dentist, was studying these cultures all over the world um, and recording what he learnt. And the Western A. Price Foundation takes his studies and helps people to see how um, traditional foods are healing and what foods we need to get back into our diets. So basically they say that they're committed to food, farming and the healing arts. Mm. And um, it's a non-profit group that's dedicated to restoring nutrient-dense foods to the human diet through education, research and activism. It supports a number of movements that contribute to this objective, including accurate nutrition instruction, organic and biodynamic farming, pasture feeding of livestock, community-supported farms, honest and informative labelling, prepared parenting and nurturing therapies. So um, the lady that I'm interviewing today, Hilda Gore, is a, um, a part of the Western A. Price Foundation in America. And she also has a podcast called The Wise Tradition Podcast, which you may have heard of. It's a really awesome podcast, so go and have a listen if you haven't. She's got a YouTube channel as well. And I'll put all the links to those in the show notes. Um, So she, let me just tell you a little bit about Hilda. Um, She has, okay, I've already said that she has a podcast, sorry. Um, She's an integrative nutrition health coach, a fitness professional, and the DC Metro Regional Director for Body and Soul Fitness. She lives in Washington, DC with her husband, Mitch, and their children and their cat and dog. So Hilda's actually going to be in Australia in September. Apparently there's no avocado. There's no avocado? Yeah. Okay, that's sad. Um, No, not really. It was just to have on the side. Okay. Thanks anyway. <laughs> just interruption there for... Um, <laughs> kitchen business there's no avocado we will we will survive <laughs> okay back to you Hilda um so yeah she's going to be in Australia and she'll be traveling around in September October doing lots of speaking at lots of events and um things like indigenous food feasts there's development of children through nutrient dense foods talks there's back to, to traditional farming talks um 
she's going to be up in my area doing a talk on the oldest foods on earth so that's going to be cool and i may be going with her to elko island where very exciting in september so that's going to be so cool for a week um to visit the people there um the people that we've met here the younger people from the retreat so that'll be awesome so um i'm going to move on to the interview now i hope you enjoy it and thanks so much girls for being on the intro with you. you thank you chat to you all soon Hi everyone, I'm so excited today to have Hilda on the show. Hi Hilda. Hey Joe. thanks for having me. Thanks so much for being on the show. There's, um, your podcast is amazing and I've had so many people recommend it to me and so I'm really excited to be able to talk to you today. Um, we're really interested in hearing about your upcoming visit to Australia and what you'll be doing and also just love to know how you got first got involved with the Western A Price Foundation. Um, for people who are just new to um, the Western A Price Foundation, maybe you could give us a bit of a background on it and a bit of your story about how you got started with the foundation. Absolutely. Um, so, gosh, let me think where to start. I love mm-hmm. telling the story of Dr. Price. I'll start with him. Yes, do that. Because he is a phenomenal person. So, he lived in the 1930s and 40s, and he was actually a Canadian who moved to the United States and had a dental practice in Ohio. Okay. So, here he is, you know, treating all these children especially, and he was saddened and perplexed that so many of them had cavities and crowded teeth and poor behavior and, you know, compromised health. And while he's treating these kids, he's getting National Geographic Magazine, which is a worldwide magazine, I'm sure you've heard of it, with these beautiful photographs of people around the world. And he couldn't help but compare the people in other parts of the world who looked amazing, who had no crowded teeth, who looked healthy and strong, vital and vibrant. And he thought, something's wrong here. And he loved their teeth too. He could see these broad <laughs> smiles. And He's a dentist, you know, so he's yes. looking for these things. Okay. I didn't know that's how he first started thinking about that. That's yes, oh. totally. And so then he thought, okay, first I want to know, do these people really exist? These amazing hale and hearty people. And second of all, if they do exist, what are they eating? He was very curious about that connection. And so what he decided to do was to take it upon himself to do a world tour And his wife said, I'm going with you. I'm making up that part of the story. But the point is, she was not left behind. She went with him. And let me tell you, Joe, this was not any, I'm going to jump on JetBlue and, you know, go to another country right now. It was a harder time. But he found his way to Alaska, to South Pacific Islands, to New Zealand, to Australia, to Kenya, to Switzerland. He went many places over the course of 10 years. And what he discovered, is that people had all kinds of different diets, as you can imagine. So in Switzerland, it was all dairy and butter and bread, sourdough bread and stuff like that. And then on this island off the coast of Scotland, it was fish and stuffed oats and, you know, just like all these different things. And in Alaska, it was whale blubber and seal oil. So 
he was carefully taking notes because he wasn't really just a dentist. He was a researcher and he was documenting what he saw. And what he found was that there were many principles in common of these varied diets. Mm-hmm. And he made a list of them. And that is the foundation for the Western A. Price Foundation. In other words, we think that what he found was so important that we want to eat in this kind of wise traditions way, as we call mm-hmm. it. And those principles are true throughout the world and they're good for us today. And I can go into those in just a little bit. But what happened for me personally is um, I was actually born with a birth defect. Mm -hmm. My mother, when she was pregnant with me, got exposed to the German measles. Mm -hmm. And the doctor said to her, your baby is going to be born with something really wrong with it. And so she was concerned. But when I was born, It was a birth defect, but it was just a small hole in my heart between the lower two ventricles. So it was repaired by open heart surgery when I was nine. And I think that kind of shaky start to my life where I didn't know how long I was going to live. The doctors didn't want me to be too active because, you know, they wanted to monitor that hole. They were afraid it was going to get bigger and all these things kind of informed why I take care of my body today and why I want to help others do the same. Mm. So that's a little bit about my story. And I came to the foundation through a friend and I was like, this makes total sense to me. And I started changing my diet over into this wise traditions way of living. And I've never looked back. That's awesome. Um, so when you first heard about Western A. Price, um, were you already eating a healthy diet or did you have to work into changing your diet or how did you, how did you work into eating that way? Yeah, that's a good question. I was a fitness professional. I still am. Like I love teaching exercise classes. It's really fun for me. Um, And I thought it doesn't matter what you eat, just work it off. You know, (laughs) Um, that was my philosophy. I thought I was eating healthy because I was following kind of the USDA Mm. food guidelines, which said, you know, eat a lot of carbs and grains and you know, a little bit of protein, but a lot of fruits and vegetables. I was (laughs) eating that way. But you know what I found? Joe, I would get so shaky. Like I would feel my blood sugar drop. I was exactly the the same. Were you? Yeah. (laughs) So I'd be in the middle of my exercise class, literally teaching a song. And then I would be like, oh my gosh, like I've got to eat something. So I would grab a protein bar or whatever I had. And then my, you know, blood sugar would go back up. I'd be fine. Mm -hmm. I thought, well, I guess I'm just one of those people that needs to eat all the time. (laughs) That was me. (laughs) Right? It's a lot of people. Then I found out when you eat real whole foods and things that can sustain you and that aren't so packaged and processed, like your body can go much longer. So now I'll have, for example, for breakfast, you know, bacon and eggs or some full fat yogurt. And it's just a whole different ballgame. That can take me until two or three in the afternoon. If I didn't stop to eat because I really wanted to, (laughs) I could keep going. So um, I ate healthy as far as I understood it. But then I gradually, what I did when I found out about these principles, and I can go over the principles in just a minute, but as I, I started slowly. Some people are like, clean out the cupboard, start yeah. it today. <laughs> We're never touching another pretzel, you know. But yeah. I took it. I took my time because there weren't any presenting health issues. So I just was like, you know what? We're going to start to eat butter. And so we brought butter to the table. And then the next year, literally, it was like one thing a year. It was like less chips, you know. And my family loved it because it tasted great. And Mm -hmm. I suddenly, as I'm saying, you know, felt my endurance and my – I was able to sustain my – you know, blood sugar levels and all that much easier. And even though I was always feeling healthy, I just felt better than ever. So that's how I started to change things over time. 
Uh, yeah, I think um, most people need to go the slow approach. I did. Um, some people jump in gung ho, but maybe you can give us an overview of the kinds of foods that Western A Price really recommends and, and the, what the Wise Traditions diet is based on. Oh, absolutely. So this is the cool thing. Dr. Price noticed that these indigenous healthy people were eating the foods of their region, obviously whatever was accessible to them. The reason the Kenyans were having meat and milk and blood from the goats and the cows is because they weren't really growing crops, you know, and they weren't near a, a river or an ocean to eat fish. So that was their diet. So I think the first thing is to really eat whole real foods according to what's available in your region mm. and to avoid what he called denatured or processed foods. So uh, for us today, this is very clear. You can tell when a tomato came off the vine as opposed to something that's canned in the grocery store or a sauce that's got all these spices that someone else processed. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So the idea is to avoid the refined or denatured foods because Dr. Price was able to contrast those who still ate their traditional way with those who did have access to the modern foods of their time, which included refined flour and sugar and some oils. And he could see the degeneration of their health. Like he wrote a whole book called Nutrition and Physical Degeneration. Yeah. All you have to do is flip through those pictures or go to the westonaprice.org website and you'll see the, some of these images of the indigenous people who ate their traditional wise traditions diet and those who had already shifted. And immediately with the next generation, you would get the crowding of the teeth, more cavities, uh, compromised posture, eyesight, hearing. It was amazing that it was so clear cut. Yeah, it's and, so interesting um, that it could happen in one generation, eh? Yeah, mm -hmm. in one generation. And for those immediately eating the foods, there was a change. Uh, I'll tell you a quick story. I believe it was in Kenya mm -hmm. um, where he was observing some different tribes and um, he noticed everybody was hale and hearty with the broad smiles and, you know, the beautiful facial structure, which again is a, a hint of the wellness of the whole body. Right. Um, and then he met a man who was like toothless and didn't, he seemed overweight. And he found out that that man was the cook for the white people. Oh, <laughs> he was the chef. And so oh. he was eating the displacing foods of modern commerce. Oh, isn't so, that sad? It's so sad. So his mm. healthy living and healthy, good health is really our birthright. And what yes. we want to see at the Weston Price Foundation and, and for myself too is Holistic Hilda, I want to see people return to the health that is kind of their God-given right, if you will. Mm. And yeah. so that's the first principle is actually avoiding the refined and denatured foods and returning to the whole real foods. Another principle is, this is very surprising, is that all traditional cultures consume some sort of animal food. Yeah. So Dr. Price thought he would find some vegetarian, you know, or primarily plant-based diets. Everybody had some sort of animal food in their diet. And this really surprised him. It was actually disappointing to him. Um, <laughs> he thought, you know, surely there are people out here. No. So what that means is I think we all should be unafraid. And as a matter of fact, we should embrace animal products in our diet for well-being. Mm -hmm. You know, there are a lot of, you know, everyone touts the vitamins and minerals and plants and there are, it's not quite the same. What you get from animal foods are the real deal. And in some of the 
plants, you only get a precursor. I'll give carrots as an example. Mm -hmm. People will say, well, carrots are a great source of vitamin A. Well, actually, they have beta carotene, which is a precursor to vitamin A, but they don't contain vitamin A. So what that means is your body has to work hard to convert it. Whereas if you're eating an animal product, you will get that vitamin A right away. It's already been converted for you by the animal. And that's kind of part of the cycle of life. Mm. Um, so, But they also honor the whole animal. And I'll just, I'll conclude with this and then we can talk about whatever else you want. But no, you're they right. Keep going. This is would, interesting. Oh, thank you. They would eat it nose to tail. So they would eat the organ meats, which are actually super nutrient dense. Mm -hmm. And mostly when we think of meat, at least in the US, we think of the muscle meat, you know, I'm going to have some hamburger or some steaks. (laughs) But the liver and the brain and the heart, these organs are much more nutrient dense. So um, they would eat all those pieces and bits, and then they would also take the bones and make bone broth and, Mm -hmm. you know, all kinds of stock. And so you'd be getting the richness from the collagen and the the connective tissue. And so you'd get, they took advantage of all of it and, and they were all the better for it. And so we have to kind of work to understand this with our palates today and our way of thinking. But you can see where this is actually a, a healthy way to live. If you go to the grocery store and just buy chicken breasts, what mm-hmm. happened to the rest of that chicken? Yeah. You know, it's kind, of, it's kind of not very wise, right? And But if you buy the whole chicken from a farmer or, goodness sakes, if you have hens in your backyard, then, you know, you're honoring the whole animal and taking advantage of all that it has to offer you. And so it's really a beautiful thing and it's, it's eco-friendly. Again, some yeah. people go vegetarian or vegan because they think it's better for the planet, but... Mm-hmm. In actuality, a lot of land has to be tilled to give enough vegetables even for one vegetarian, let alone, you know, tons. Whereas the animals, when they are on the land, they can regenerate it through their manure and Mm -hmm. their urine. And then they're kind of bringing new life where there was none. So it's a beautiful thing. And I've done actually some podcasts on it. People can just go to the Wise Traditions podcast Mm -hmm. and listen to some of the episodes I've done with Alan Savory. I've interviewed Joel Salatin, who's a well-known farmer. Oh, oh, I'm so glad. Yeah. So they all talk to this bit about um, using animals, not only for our own nutrition, but to kind of harness the hooves for the well-being of the planet. Yeah. We're totally in agreement with that. Um, so when, um, uh, do you want to talk about fermented food at all? Did he, did he study that as well? Well, interestingly, I can't tell you how many principles he came up with. I'll have to revisit that in his book. Mm -hmm. Um, but I do know that the foundation has 11 and the reason they have 11 is because they did further study. And they were the ones that noticed that traditional peoples all had ferments in their diet. So I don't know that that was something that stood out to Dr. Price, but we started to notice it. And it's kind of cool because this trend is on the upswing in the U.S. I hope it is in Australia as well. We're realizing our gut microbiome is key to our health. And so what you want to do is take in ferments one way or another. You can have it through drinks like kombucha or mead, you know, some fermented mm-hmm. drink, or you could have kefir or yogurt. Like, And then, of course, there's sauerkraut and kimchi. There's, you know, foods all around the world. And I guess, again, you have to look and see what's local to your area and what makes sense. But 
these things are so rich in probiotics that they kind of repopulate the gut with healthy bacteria. And you always want to have a good balance in your gut with the good bacteria outnumbering the bad. And eating fermented foods helps make that happen. Not to mention that the enzymes in these fermented foods make it easier to digest foods like meat and other foods. So it kind of all comes together. This wise traditions diet is very all encompassing. And I will tell you this, Joe, this is one of my favorite things about it. It's not a diet of deprivation. Like there's nothing where I have to say, oh, I can't eat that. No, I can because all of these foods, all these foods in the whole world were given for our enjoyment and Mm -hmm. a healthy gut can handle them all. Yes. Especially if they're grown properly, prepared properly. And I think that's where um, in our Western society, we've sort of fallen down, haven't we? We've taken foods and then made them into something that's not food anymore or else we haven't prepared it the way that, that traditional um, cultures have prepared it. So then it's difficult for us to digest. So um, talking about grains and um, things like that, what would you, what do your um, uh, principles suggest with grains? That would be interesting for our listeners. Yes. Yes. Well, you are exactly right. We all think, for example, oh, you know, nuts and and legumes and beans, and they're all so good for us. You know, we just kind of eat them, at least people in the US who try Mm. to be healthy, (laughs) eat them all the time without realizing that nature has given a lot of these plants a special coating to kind of protect it uh, from being eaten, I guess. I don't, I don't know. But there's kind of this anti-nutrient coating that's on these foods that makes them difficult to digest, just what you said. And so traditional people's intuited this somehow. And so most of them had, if not all of them actually that Dr. Price saw, had a way to prepare the grains and the legumes and the beans so that they could be digested well. So they would either soak or ferment or sprout. Um, these different seeds and nuts and beans and such so that the anti-nutrients would be taken off and then, or uh, minimized, I would say, and then the body could absorb the nutrients without the irritation, if you will, of those anti-nutrients. So I'll give you an example. When I was growing up, my mom's from Mexico. Okay. And we would always soak the beans overnight. You know, Mexico is known for kind of refried beans, beans Mm -hmm. on the side of any dish. You know, it's just a kind of staple of all the people. But they knew to soak those beans overnight. And all you need is the the right conditions, probably like warm water, maybe a touch of something acid like lemon or maybe apple cider vinegar, something to help kind of wear away that anti-nutrient, the phytic acid on the outside of the beans. And then the next day we would cook up the beans and nobody would have gas. (laughs) Nobody would be uncomfortable and it wouldn't be irritating the digestive tract. So this is definitely one of the principles of the foundation is that all beans, nuts, seeds, and grains need to be properly prepared Mm -hmm. for optimal digestion. Yeah. And that's the, that's the secret, isn't it? I think um, all whole foods, we should be able to to handle. Um, so sometimes it's a matter of preparing them better than we have been, or sometimes it's a matter of healing the gut so that we can go back to eating what we should be able to eat. <laughs> so, 
say, yeah. Yes, and there's a big trend here to avoid gluten at all costs. I understand why, because it's irritating people, but mm. chances are these same people who believe they're gluten intolerant may be able to tolerate and benefit from, uh, let's say, a bread like sourdough mm-hmm. that's been fermented, properly fermented, not just, I'm not talking about sourdough bread where they just add vinegar and make no, it taste no, sour. No, old-fashioned sourdough. <laughs> exactly, where you get a starter from a friend and you make that yeah. and it's, you know, amazing. So, yeah, I would love to see more people embrace all of the foods that are mm. out there. But you're right, the gut needs to be strong as well. And if that's compromised, then there may be other steps that need to be taken before they can even venture yeah. into the Wise Traditions diet. But I can tell you this, we are constantly getting testimonials from people who change their diet to kind of follow these principles and they find that they regain their health, yes. you know, their, their fertility returns, their energy yeah. returns. It's a beautiful thing. And it's interesting to see the difference when people bring good fats back into their diet. Do you want to talk about fats a little? Oh my gosh, I love fat. (laughs) Me too. I'm so glad you brought it up. You know, it's funny because I think sometimes we think... there are trends here in the U.S. too of going carnivore, you know, or eating mm-hmm. high protein diet. Yeah. I love protein. Protein is great. Yeah. But what Dr. Price noticed was that people ate large amounts of fat everywhere he went all around the world. Now, mm-hmm. the percentages varied. Maybe there was more fat eaten by the Alaskans, for example, mm-hmm. um, than maybe the Kenyans, but they all had more fat than the standard American diet of his day in the 1930s. So this is definitely something that's essential for brain health mm-hmm. and for all the synapses to connect properly. You know, the brain is mostly fat. Yeah. So we are big proponents of fat. And this is before the keto train caught fire. <laughs> um, <laughs> But they're getting the right idea out there, right? People are looking yeah. for these whole real foods and fat in particular, and that's fantastic. We couldn't be happier. So yes, that's one of our principles too, is to include a good percentage of fat in the diet. Um, when you come over to Australia, you're hoping to visit the Indigenous people here. And um, you and I both have an interest in um, what Hope for Health are doing up in Northern Territory. Um, at the moment, they're having a retreat, which I'm about to go to tomorrow to help with the cooking Um, but I'm just loving seeing the photos because I love how they are teaching the um, the white people at the retreat the indigenous people are teaching the white people about their cultural foods and traditional foods and um, one of the things that they're sharing with them is the importance of fat in their diet in their traditional diet and how when certain blossoms came out on the trees Um, they knew that that was the time to harvest certain foods because that was the time of year when those foods had the most fat. So, for instance, the stingray, um, you know, at a certain time of year, certain blossoms have come out, that's the time to hunt for stingray because they're fatty. Um, And it's just such a beautiful thing to see, um, you know, just to learn from them, to see how that they ate that way and how it helped their health for so many years and when they moved over as you know, as they moved over to the Western diet, that's when all their chronic illness began. Um, and it's so good to see them um, embracing the traditional foods again and going back to what they used to know and sharing that with um, our culture as well. So it's really exciting. So oh, I'm really looking so exciting. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to hopefully going up there with you. Um, yes. Do you want to tell everyone about your trip to Australia and what you'll be doing? Because I think there'll be a lot of people interested to hear you speak. Oh, I'm so excited. So uh, I want to back up by saying 
the foundation, the Western A. Price Foundation, sent me to Kenya mm -hmm. because a Maasai warrior and a tribe oh in a village called Oithi <laughs> contacted us. And That's he so said, exciting. I know. He came across <laughs> our literature and he said, please send someone over. We're all getting sick. Aww. He said, I have diabetes. My wife has asthma. And he really resonated with the fact that we have all kind of come away from our traditional mm. ancestral health practices. And he saw it in his own village. There was suddenly a shop up the street where people were getting sodas and mm. chai tea and with lots of refined sugar in it, you know? Yeah. And so I had the privilege of going over there. And when I was there, Joe, I got to interview a man, a Maasai warrior who was over a hundred years old. Wow. I know. And so I felt so humbled. And this was kind of the beginning of my podcasting career too. I was like, I want to record this. I just think it's fascinating. And of course he couldn't speak English. So we had like two translators because he spoke, oh. I don't know, Ma, and then someone else spoke Swahili and we were trying to, you know, get oh, it back to Oh, that's amazing. But it was amazing. And he was able to say, when I was young, he's like, we didn't get sick. We just were hale and hearty and we would like play in the rain. And if we got a shiver, we would just drink milk from the cow, meaning raw milk, you know? Yeah. And he said, and now my grandchildren have to put a coat on because it's going to rain, but we didn't do that, you know? And so it was yeah. just fascinating. So I got it in my head after going to Kenya and after going to Peru, I was like, I need to go to Australia because Dr. Price went there and I'm on a mission to follow in his footsteps because he went with two things in mind. Well, actually, really, he went just to learn. But I'm going with two things in mind to help remind people about traditions that they can learn from, just as you were saying, these Aboriginal mm -hmm. people are teaching the white people, like we all can benefit from their wisdom. And number two, I'm going to learn myself because yeah. I know that there are people who ha still have those traditions in their hearts mm -hmm. and I want to learn from them. And then I want to share that information for the world. So the foundation is going to let me record some podcasts. And of course, I'm going to walk carefully when I go into these Aboriginal communities, mm -hmm. understanding it's a different culture and only talking to those who want to talk to me, but I hope to record some interviews for the podcast. And also I'm launching a YouTube channel this summer where I hope to have some footage for that. But I love what Hope for Health is doing because mm -hmm. they are helping people reconnect with their own heritage yes. and, and giving them the freedom to be empowered to live as they were meant to live. And I think mm -hmm. that's a beautiful thing. So to be specific, I think what I'm going to have to do is send you my itinerary, Joe, so that maybe yes, you can post can it share. on your website yes, because it's very involved. I'm going to yeah. be in Melbourne and Sydney and Cairns and then Elko Island and Arnhem Land. Like I'm going all over the place because I'm there for a whole month and I wanted to take the time to uh, really connect with people and yes, do some talking, but do a lot of learning as well. I love that. Um, there's some really interesting things on your itinerary. I think there was a, there's um, a dinner in Sydney that's Indigenous Foods Dinner and um, I think you're doing talks about um, children's health and also like quite a variety of things. <laughs> So, yeah, it is. It's very exciting. I, I bet you're excited. <laughs> I am. And this is the good news is I'm partnering with experts in Australia. Mm. So it's not just going to be me, but people no, like 
That's right. John Newton, who wrote The Oldest Foods on Earth, you know, and Dr. Ron Ehrlich and Dr. Stephen Lynn. And so I'm just, I'm really excited. And you. So I'm going to get to be (laughs) with some amazing people there. And yes, if people can look at the itinerary there on your website somehow, or you can add it. I can put it in the show notes, definitely. Yeah. Because I want them to come wherever possible. I think this information is so life-changing. And that's why I'm embarking on this trip. To be honest with you, Joe, I haven't fully raised all the funds I need to make it happen, but it is that important to me that I'm like, I'm stepping out by faith because this needs to happen. (laughs) All right. Well, we will definitely share the love and tell everybody about it because it's, um, yeah, I think it's really important for for all of us here as well to um, learn more about these things. You know, we can get caught up in our everyday lives and not think too much about um, where our food comes from and, you know, what it's doing to our bodies. And I think the people listening to this podcast are more aware, but there's so many people out there that that are not. Um, And it's, yeah, the more we can get the word out there, the better. Absolutely, Mm. absolutely. Um, So we will finish up now because I think we've gone over half an hour have we I think we have um but I would just like to say a big thank you to you for all that you do and um the Western A Price Foundation has been so helpful to so many people and I know probably 15 years ago I bought the um Sally Fallon's book um Nourishing Traditions and that's where I first started to hear about Western A Price and everything and that just really helped me when my kids were little and learning about real food and trying to get started down that track. So thanks for all you do. Um, We do really appreciate it. Uh, Oh, my pleasure. I can't wait to see you in September. Yes, I'm very excited. Thanks again. Thanks, Joe. Bye. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.